0: welcome to keep them coming with open the doors coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Dr. Amanda Olson is a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she treats a host of conditions. And if you've ever had any issues with basically anything that's waist down, bowel movements, incontinence, painful intercourse, doesn't matter your gender, you probably need to see a pelvic floor therapist like her. Her company, Intimate Rose, makes FDA-approved medical devices to treat pelvic floor disorders. And Dr. Olson helped explain what the process is like when you first go and what the treatment journey can look like. Now, I've had pelvic floor therapists on my show before, and I have had gentlemen email me and basically say, you are crazy if you think I'm going to go somewhere and have someone put two fingers at my butt, and it's not for pleasure. And even in those cases, they might not want that either. But listen up. If you're a guy or born male i get it you may have some reservations about seeing a pelvic floor therapist because of fear or stigma about putting something up your butt or even having a female doctor but dr olson explained numerous workarounds you know different methods that can be used to increase your comfort level that don't involve any form of penetration on top of discussing the benefits of some of her devices which i do have one here on my office shelf we also discussed some of the shifts that we have seen, you know, those changes in society. We are much more willing to talk about issues that we've got going on with our bodies and our health. You know, we used to live in a society where people just kept all this stuff to themselves. They were not empowered. They were not informed. They didn't know that there were treatments out there or they were too embarrassed to, to seek treatment for something. They'd suffer in silence or just think that that was just how things were. Look. If you ever sneeze and pee, if you can't poop for two or three days, if you avoid sex or even certain sex positions because of pain, you need to listen to this episode and find out more about pelvic floor therapy. I'll also let you know, I was still just getting over a bit of a cold that I had picked up on my travels to DC. I went to the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit. I did not get covid But I definitely had a shitty-ass cold when I got back. So I do sound a little froggy. I I had to mute myself a few times and cough. And I've still got a little bit of something. So I sound kind of congested on this episode. Forgive me. Speaking of the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit. Oh my god, I had such a fucking blast. It was an amazing time. I met so many wonderful, wonderful people. I'm lining up some really cool guests including a sex worker who won a defamation case against her former nursing school for kicking her out of the program simply for being a sex worker. She was a stripper. Uh, Also met someone who taught me uh, some ins and outs from Digital Defense Fund talking about cybersecurity and how uh, folks... Let me... In a post-Roe v. Wade world, you should not be posting to social media about how you will help drive people to Colorado. You should also not be just searching for certain things willy-nilly on Google. Digital Defense Fund doesn't really do interviews because of safety, but I will be doing an upcoming episode about how to safely search the internet for certain things in certain states. (laughs) I'll put it that way, right? I do believe that my next guest on Keep Them Coming will be Anna Kohler. She and I are hosting a workshop together called Ask Me Out, How to Approach Them for a Date. This in-person workshop is on Sunday, September 18th at Yoga Patch. It is $100 a person, and if you are single and struggle to convert people from a casual hello or online flirtation or messaging endlessly on a dating app to an actual date... This workshop is for you. Anna is a trained actress as well as a yoga teacher. And we are going to go through some improv techniques that she knows from her acting days. We're going to go through some things that um, are going to be a bit of like, let's see what the other side has to say. You know, like if you're trying to hit on someone, how do you do that appropriately without being a creep, without being a jerk, without being intrusive? You know, I, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I typically run into guys who are avoiding asking someone out because they don't want to be a jerk or a creep or invade someone's space. It's actually not often that I run into guys who are just flat out, you know, awful or they're trying to run game or are just like a jerk about things. It's usually men out there who are trying to be polite. And for the sake of being polite, they miss opportunities. So if that resonated with you, if you feel like, oh shit, that is, that is me. I, I've got that one person that I've been flirting with and I haven't had the gumption to ask them out. Or you know that you've missed out on some chances to date some really awesome people simply because you didn't have it in you to ask them out. We would love to help you with this workshop. Tickets are on Eventbrite. You can go to any of my social medias, check the show notes as well, and find a link to tickets. Copies of the September pitch are already out on newsstands, so please do pick up this issue and read all about my take on this year's theme for Sexual Health Month. September 4th is World Sexual Health Day, and this year's topic is Let's Talk Pleasure. So, got into uh, some, some things talking about pleasure and why pleasure is so important. It's on newsstands now. The digital version will be out on September 15th. All right. I think that wraps it up. Enjoy this episode with Dr. Amanda Olson from Intimate Rose. Joining me on Keep Them Coming today is Dr. Amanda Olson. I found her after coming across one of her products and was like, you know what? this this She's got some cool stuff. So I am so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for
1: having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and you're a doctor, you're a pelvic floor therapist. I know some people have probably listened to my show and heard a couple of my episodes with other pelvic floor therapists, but they'd have to dig back a little bit. So give me a rundown of what, what you do as a pelvic floor therapist.
1: Sure. So, um, in a clinical setting as a pelvic health physical therapist, I treat all the people of all different backgrounds and age spans. Um, So small children can have pelvic floor issues all the way up to, I've seen a patient that was 98 years old. So um, I I treat people with a lot of uh, different types of conditions. It may include urinary incontinence, pelvic pain, pelvic organ prolapse, issues with intimacy, issues with pain with sex um, and constipation. Anything having to do with the bowel, the bladder, the genitals, basically, that's all under the domain of pelvic health, physical therapy.
0: Yeah, I think that's those last couple of points there are something that a lot of people don't really understand. I think when especially around here, a lot of people think of pelvic floor therapy. They're thinking about, oh, painful sex, or they've just had a baby, and maybe that's why they need to go see it. And I I have definitely tried to help inform people since I've learned more that this is for all people, all genders. Even men need pelvic floor therapy sometimes because if you're having any issues with incontinence or constipation, yeah, anything below the belly button, if you're having issues with, a pelvic floor therapist can probably help you with. Absolutely. You've got it. See, I, I, once you get into this, uh, line of work, you've got to get out there and educate yourself. And, uh, I, I didn't even really know that public floor therapy was a thing before I became a coach.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. Public health physical therapy has been a practice in the United States for roughly 42 years, But it's only been, I would say, within the last five years that the numbers of pelvic health physical therapists available have grown exponentially and that we are doing a better job of educating others on what we do, educating other providers and the general public. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting. I've been a provider for 14 years. And back when I started, there was like 300 of us in the country. Mm. It was not a big thing, but it was a group of very hardworking physical therapists that were training and getting certified. And then, as the numbers have grown, there's more education available for physical therapists. And um, we're, we're being able to work collaboratively with coaches and all the different types of other healthcare providers in all different types of settings. Um, so, we're providing a much broader service um, here in the US.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And I think another shift I had heard about was that insurance companies used to really treat pelvic floor therapy as being the last thing, like try (laughs) 10 other things and then go to pelvic floor therapy, whereas now it seems like they're directing people to go either as a first or even a second step.
1: Absolutely. For certain diagnosis, we are first line of treatment. Um, and that includes urinary incontinence, um, interstitial cystitis. We are frontline as part of the management with other healthcare providers. Um, and then certainly in the pelvic pain domain. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I truth be told, believe that I probably need to go see a pelvic floor therapist. Um, I, I have been having some painful intercourse lately and I, I had a Bartholin cyst in early 2021. And I don't know if some of the, the trauma lingering from that is causing issues or if it's endometriosis or what's the other one. And and endometriosis, like actually in the lining of your uterus rather than outside of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I've got an appointment coming up soon and it's going to be one of those things where I say, Hey, I'm 40. I actually am 41. And I have been dealing with painful intercourse off and on for a long time. Um, and there's just some other things going on that like, I'm not leaving this fucking office until I have <laughs> a pain management, like, or I have a, a plan. I need a yes. plan. Whether that's send me to pelvic floor therapy, I don't take the uterus out, I don't care, do something. But I'm so sick and tired of living with pain. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are like that too
1: you are definitely not alone. And that is the perfect game plan to be advocating for yourself, to be knowing what it is that you want. And it's, that's a very, um, you're not asking for too much. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> that's a very it feels like a human, lot, right? Cause yeah. OBGYNs haven't listened to me thus far. You know, they're like, Oh, well let's try an IUD. Let's see if that helps with painful periods. And all that, no, I mean, it helped for a little while until there was pain every single day and then removal of it, removed the pain. But then it, it's been a weird, it's been a weird journey, but you know, for people out there who have like painful intercourse or having painful bowel movements, things like that, there, there is absolutely hope. Um, but, yeah, but I think pelvic floor therapy is the place that people need to be turning to rather than just going to an OBGYN or just going to their GP. So, um, so you're in Oregon, correct? So like these days, do people have to get referred out to a pelvic floor therapist for it to be covered or do they need to just go to a, a pelvic floor therapist? Like what's that like?
1: There's a couple of different scenarios. So, um, insurance as a whole, um, all of the big insurance carriers cover pelvic floor physical therapy to some extent, Um, And state by state that looks different, whether you need a referral from a physician or whether you can access it open door. Oregon is an open door access state. So somebody can self-refer um, according to our state practice laws. Um, but some insurances, even if it's an open door access date, still want that referral from this physician. So if you walk in, you could get your evaluation The public floor physical therapist can contact your doctor and get the prescription. Um, and then there are some practices that are, um, Called out of network, and so they don't accept insurance, and in they are cash pay. Um, and we see that across all types of medicine these days. Um, a lot of different types of providers are um, going out of network, so it's kind of all of the above. So I always recommend to people um, to call their insurance carrier and ask uh, mm-hmm. what their policy is, or any um, any given clinic is usually going to know. They have a front office person that is in charge of billing, and if you call and say, this is my plan, they can usually tell you, yeah, we're going to need a referral from your physician, or yep, come on in. We're going to get you booked, and we'll help you manage that, um, and then you also, as a person, may decide um, to see a provider that is cash paid because you want to see that particular individual, or, or um, maybe your insurance plan has a really high deductible, and um, you're not close to meeting it, or there's a lot of different scenarios there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that that is something that a lot of my clients around here have, have run into is the, a, a lot of the, uh, quality ones, the ones that come highly recommended are cash pay at this point. Cause none of them want to deal with insurance companies. Yep. Um, a lot of them you know, can put some hindrances on providers saying how many visits someone's allowed or what they could charge things like that. Like I get it, but, um, yeah, point being no matter what process you've got to go through. If you are having pain, if you are having incontinence, and that can look like a couple of different things, right? That can look like uh, the sneeze and pee or cough and pee. It can look like urge incontinence where like the second you realize you got to pee, it's like, Oh, I got to go like right now. Um, and either of those things can be fixed by pelvic floor therapists. So do what you got to do. <laughs> go find a good one. Uh, talk to your insurance, do whatever you got to do, but don't ignore it. Absolutely. Don't ignore it. And it is fixable. Yes. So I would like to talk about Kegels with you. Um, I get asked a lot about Kegels and about my favorite Kegel apps or things like that. And I have actually stopped recommending Kegel apps. Um. So I'm curious if you know of any good ones out there and then here's why I've stopped, you know, I'll tell you and tell the listeners um, if you're doing them wrong, you could just be doing more damage to yourself. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I think the important part here is that um, Kegels as a whole, I think it's really important that people understand that doing a Kegel is an activation of the pelvic floor muscles. So it's an exercise. It's a very specific exercise and Kegels are indicated for certain diagnoses. I think it's really interesting in the last year, like, I don't know who the PR person is for Kegels, but like Kegels are getting thrown under the bus. There's a lot of really um, blanket statements going around that are patently false. So it's Mm. really important that people know that like a Kegel is an exercise and that it is in fact indicated for some diagnoses um, by doing that activation of your pelvic floor. Um, So then on top of that, technology has been added with some of the apps and there are devices like we we, I make a um, a set of vaginal mm-hmm. weights that are intended to strengthen the pelvic floor for certain diagnoses. So it's really important that we not make blanket statements about kegels themselves, and that the the driver is is then um, you need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist for a proper evaluation and diagnosis, and they will help you decide. What type of Kegels are right for you? Because there is a certain dosage, there is a certain <laughs> amount of time, there is a certain number per day, there is a certain t- number per week that are appropriate for different diagnoses. And on the other side of that, like you mentioned, if you do Kegels for certain diagnoses, it can further drive the issue. So that's why you wouldn't want to just jump into a program. It's the same thing if you yeah. tore your rotator cuff and did certain exercises, they would further drive pain or get in your way. And that's why you would see a physical therapist for your rotator cuff and likewise for the public floor.
0: Yeah. And I think when it's an app that's paired with a device that you, is placed inside of you, um, it's very different than just, oh, I'm just doing my kegels. It's just a kegel timer. Um, it's just, you know, verbally walking me through what to do. Like if you've not, As you say, gone to a pelvic floor therapist and had the assessment, and they're actually saying, okay, this is here's how to squeeze. Here's the muscle group you're trying to activate. Here's what that feels like. And coaching them through that and giving them a very specific way to do it, you absolutely could just be exacerbating the situation. So, like, tell me about some of these devices. I mean, that's part of why I've got Dr. Amanda on here today, y'all, is because I want y'all to learn about her devices. if you go to see the website's intimate rose.com. So if you go to that website, you'll see that there's a variety. There's um, the wand, there's some dilators, and there's also the weighted kegel um, device. So tell me, first off, how did you decide to kind of go into this aspect of business? Because there's, like you say, more and more pelvic floor therapists out there, but not all of them are taking the step to create their own devices to help. So what 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 made you decide to go down that path?
1: Sure. Um so being in in practice and being one-on-one with my patients and hearing what their struggles were and seeing what the needs were, what was available on the market was not very comfortable. It was not very aesthetic. Um, A lot of them were really medical looking or they didn't have like a comfortable feel to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to make something that was first of all, like just really cheerful and pretty and not medically not not looking medical. And then I wanted it to have a really soft, smooth finish on all of the devices, regardless of what it's for, because it's going inside your body. And so um, I wanted something that would just be a very soft, easy to use product. And that would also encompass support and the ability to connect people with different providers. So it's not just about the devices, but our company mission as a whole is to be able to provide pelvic health support and solutions for people all over the world. And so little by little, we're just creating a community, devices, and coupling them with all different types of providers and coaches so that they get comprehensive care and they get to move on and reach their goals and live the life that they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, dilators were something that I've I've been familiar with. Um, in fact, I have a dilator set here in my office to show as an example to my clients, uh, but the wand was something that I had never seen before. Um, so just to explain to the listeners, you you could certainly hop online and, and look at dilators, but dilators are sort of what you might think of. It's sort of um, almost a phallic shaped uh, device that there's multiple sizes of them. They go from small up, up in size. Um, but this wand looks like just sort of a question mark, I guess. Yes. Sort of. <laughs> it totally looks and like it, a question and it's, mark. it's very, it's it's thin, and you've got a couple of different ones. I see here. You've got like the the temperature therapy pelvic wand, um, the vibrating one, and then just the like, the pelvic wand, just the non-vibrating, non-temperature is the one that I have in my office. But um, what distinguishes this pelvic wand? that you've created from just dilators?
1: Yeah, so the utility and design of it is totally different from the dilators. It is shaped like a question mark and each of those different curvatures is intended to allow a person to reach deep tender points or trigger points or restrictions in their pelvic floor so that they can manage those restrictions independently. So in pelvic health, physical therapy, we do manual therapy and we do an evaluation to determine where those tender points are located in your pelvic floor. And we have different techniques that we use to help release them. Um, But part of that is training you how to coordinate and use your pelvic floor muscles. But in the meanwhile, oftentimes there's some ongoing uh, restrictions. And if you've had a history of trauma or guarding in those pelvic floor muscles, um, you are working on the underlying driver of that. But meanwhile, you need a tool to help manage on your own, either in between visits or as a means of managing on your own after after you're out of physical therapy or if you can't access physical therapy. So the long, thin end um, it has a curvature that allows you to go very deep and to the sides of your pelvic floor. And then there's a shorter hook. that has got a little bit more of a steep curvature to it that allows you to reach more superficial, but also to reach under your bladder, to reach mm-hmm. tender points under there. So there's a very specific anatomical reason for each of those curvatures and either end can be used Rectally or vaginally, so all the people, so like for example, people that have penises can be using this rectally to address tender points in their pelvic floor, and then people with vaginas can go rectally or vaginally depending on what their needs are or where their tender points are located, to help manage those restrictions.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I um just tell you and tell the listeners, I actually came upon your intimate wand device uh at a yard sale and hear me out it was still in the box it's still like fully packaged but this person bought like bundles from amazon of like you know the shipment gets dropped or whatever and they you know do a new palette they had all these devices and sex toys they had sex dolls they had all these things like at a yard sale at a yard sale but they had it inside in the basement i'll say this they kind of had like a couple of things out and i was like Uh, that's not something I normally see at a yard sale. And he goes, oh yeah, my wife, she's a a reseller. We have, um, a lot more things inside in our basement. If you'd be interested, I was like, yes, please. And so I see that like on the shelf and I had never seen anything like it before. So I pick it up and I see that like, it's got a North Kansas city address, which you say is where your webs or your warehouse is. Um, so that was another thing that drew me into it was like, okay, local tie here. What's what is going on? But I had never seen anything like that. And it was weird getting it at a yard sale. But again, at least I can say it's still in the full packaging. Totally sealed. Totally sealed. Totally sealed. It was not pre-used. <laughs> they were not selling pre-used dildos <laughs> or sex dolls or any other medical devices for this. But um I I've looked around and I don't really see anything else like that on the market. And again, it's not, it's not a sex toy. Dilators are also not sex toys. They are medical devices. Um, so I'm curious, do you have to order directly from your website? Are they available like for wholesale to other pelvic floor therapists? Like what's, what's your model with that?
1: Yes, all of the above. So they can be purchased off our website. We do discreet shipping. Um, it is two day, Um, And then it's also available on Amazon, although with Amazon, it's been a little bit tumultuous in terms of how people are able to search and find because Amazon has gone through some periods where they've classified our products as sex toys and made them only available um, behind like an 18 and over screen, not in the normal, typical where you're buying your, you know, dish detergent (laughs) and all that, Um, which is really hard for our patients, um, especially those that have a history of trauma, Um, or abuse, because what happens is maybe they're being recommended this device by their medical provider, and they're told it's on Amazon, and they're going to search, and they're getting sent into the kind of the back room sort of aspect of Amazon, and they're having to scroll through explicit marketing images and other explicit products to get their medical device. So that's been a huge point Mm -hmm. of contention for us. And we thought very adamantly to be classified. We are FDA compliant across all of our products. Um, and it is a tool and we don't use any explicit images. Our, our images are always very warm and welcoming and, um, uh, very PG. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's all to say is that yes, they are available on Amazon, but depending on which way the wind is blowing that day, It may be back behind. So we always just recommend that people go to our website. And then we absolutely offer wholesale for um, clinicians and um, coaches and other people that are wishing to carry stock.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good. Good to know. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. So, if there was one bit of misinformation that you could dispel about pelvic floor therapy, pelvic floor health, so we already kind of covered the the Kegel thing, um, <laughs> but what, what's one bit of misinformation that you would love to dispel if you were given the microphone like you like you are now? But if you could stand on a national stage and tell everybody like this is what you need to know, what would it be? Absolutely, I would
1: say it's two points. I would say. First and foremost is that um, it's not just exercises and that it is tailored to one-on-one approach. Just like if you were going to a doctor for thyroid medication, you would be giving a medication that was specific to your blood work. When you go to pelvic health physical therapy, you're going to receive a very comprehensive and thorough evaluation and a plan of care that is based off of your unique goals and your unique needs and where you are in that given moment. And that's the beauty of seeing someone one-on-one. Um, and there's all different types of health care providers, and it's important to find one that meets your personality and your general needs you know, flow. It's like, we all have different personalities and needs and communication styles. So if you've gone to one and and didn't feel like it was a good match, I always encourage people to just ask your provider or look around for maybe another one or two and get two or three, Um, it's not always two or three, but if you're finding that you're feeling stuck or that it wasn't a good match, just see another one. Um, And then the second major part of that is that um, these problems are fixable but it's not going to be tomorrow. You know, Mm -hmm. these, these are problems that oftentimes have many different drivers and many different factors that go into them because of the interplay between the bowel and the bladder and the genitals. And then also our psychosocial emotional selves Mm -hmm. that go into all of this stuff. So it does take time and we all want to be better yesterday. (laughs) Especially if you're in pain, but it is important just to give yourself grace and to know that it will all be worth it because you will
0: get better. Mm-hmm. Good advice. <laughs> and I just thought of something as you were saying that. Like, again, I'm in the Midwest, so I don't know. Maybe maybe things are a little different in Oregon, but I know Oregon can have its conservative side too. Um, I know that there are men out there who are just absolutely like, no, you're not sticking something in my butt it's just not happening. So, I mean, of course I can say the whole thing of when you're looking at treating something medical, you've got to sort of set that aside. But even when you're coming from a pleasure perspective, like we all have a, butt, we all have nerve endings there. And sometimes it feels pleasurable to have things inserted in there, but you know, like how do you get men who might be otherwise reserved or afraid or worried that it's saying something about their sexuality? Like how do you deal with those guys? Absolutely. I
1: always say there's a hundred ways to wrap a present and there's a hundred different types of tools and ways of managing all different types of pelvic health. So, I mean, for example, um, a couple of years ago, 60% of my caseload was men that had prostate cancer. And so these are older gentlemen in their 50 to 80s um, who've just been given a life-threatening diagnosis. They've had a surgery, prostate comes out and they are incontinent. And some of them are going through 10 diapers per day and they are miserable. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, part of that evaluation is a manual exam of their pelvic floor rectally. And, you know, they walk in and they see me. <laughs> like, oh no. But I I think that's where like the beauty and the art of healthcare comes in. I, I love talking to them about their grandkids and their, you know, their fishing stories. And so um I, I think first and foremost the approach is is that like we are not as public health physical therapists on a mission. So if we're not doing that type of evaluation on day one, that's okay. And maybe we need to wait a few weeks. We have other methods, including ultrasound imaging, which we can do through your abdomen. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can do some observation. We can do some palpation. So some feeling of the pelvic floor through your clothing. Um, We can do biofeedback, which involves using some electrodes externally and watching a monitor. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things that we can do. And we always want someone to feel comfortable. Because that's part of us being a team together. It's a therapeutic alliance where nobody's going to get better if they don't have trust, and especially in this kind of realm. So, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. Sometimes we can start doing some exercise just based off of their history. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So getting the evaluation gives us key information about how the pelvic floor muscles are behaving. We do measure your endurance, we measure your strength. So there's a reason why we do that type of evaluation. And if there's pain on board, there's probably some tender points deep in that pelvic floor. But like I said, there's a lot we can do to just start
0: the process based off of the history that we hear. Good to know, Good to know. And I'm sure there's some guys listening. we're also thinking, okay, good to know. Yeah, <laughs> but also <laughs> guys like it's not that scary to get something put on your. I mean, if you're experiencing pain, of course, like, yeah, you might be a little bit afraid. Um, but it's not gonna say anything about your sexuality if someone puts a finger or a device in your anus. So just relax, mm-hmm. fellas. <laughs> no one's coming for your heterosexual card. If that, (laughs) but but I have also had gay clients who actually don't participate in penetration because it's not comfortable. And I had one in particular that, I mean, I don't think I'm giving away his information here by saying this, but like, he just always had stuck with the, like, I'm just the giver. I'm never the receiver. And that's just how it is. And I was like, have, have you ever thought that they're could be a way for you to possibly enjoy penetration? And he was like, well, I mean, I just, I haven't. So I just thought that was end of story. And I was like, well, but what if there's something going on? And then I started asking him more questions and sure enough, he needed a pelvic floor therapist when he described mm-hmm. the level of constipation that he had. Sometimes he'd go two or three days without going. First, I got him to get a squatty potty. And then I got him to start like doing a little bit of yoga. And then I got him to go into a pelvic floor therapist. And afterwards, he was like, Thank you so much. Cause I just, you know, he thought that at his age, that that was just how his body was. And he had never considered that there was a different way. So, like, I've become a big fan of pelvic floor therapy, even though I've not done it myself, just cause I have seen uh, the changes that it can help people and not just vagina owners. So absolutely. I love that. I'm so glad that there's more and more and more of you out there. I, I don't know if there's just more programs or it's just that it's less taboo, whatever has shifted. I don't care. I'm just glad it has shifted. (sighs) Absolutely. There's
1: definitely been a societal shift. I mean, there's whole social media accounts just dedicated to people describing their journey with vaginismus, you know, it's, it's incredible. This new generation is not having it like
0: no they're they not want results <laughs> yes they want answers they want solutions they want to normalize a lot of things because I mean vaginismus in particular I think is one of those things that has the, the conversations around it have really increased in the the public sphere um I think vaginismus when I first even started my practice is one of those things that was sort of a, like well, I've got vaginismus and like I don't now people are like, I have painful intercourse. I have vaginismus. Like I'm working on it. It used to feel like this dirty little secret. I felt like for a lot of my clients and yeah. no one was talking about it. And now I feel like people are being more forthcoming and talking about it. I see it more like posts about, you can only talk about so many sexual things on TikTok, but there's so many pages on there. People talking about their journey, like you say, and what they've done for treatment. and. It's uh, social media has its drawbacks, but I think the social media and the internet have also been such a wonderful resource for people that didn't have answers 10, 15, 20 years ago. I know that there's a lot of misinformation out there too, but I think that part of the reason why younger people are having less sex is because they're more informed. And um, so there's good and bad out there about it, but in this sphere. I think it's been a good thing for sure absolutely well the final thing that I have here is a segment I call ask coach Kristen anything where you can either ask me a question that you have lingering for yourself or you can ask for a friend or just toss something my way that maybe you've talked about with your friends or someone else and just want to get my opinion about so what would you like what would you like to ask me about today well, one of the
1: things that I noticed about your work is that you are starting to be able to, I don't know, I want to say the word infiltrate, but that doesn't feel right um, with education in the schools about sex ed. And I love that so much. So like when you're approaching a school or a program, like how do you, what do you say? How do you, how do you, how are you doing this? How
0: do you do? <laughs> Typically, I am approaching the schools to go talk at like parents night about healthy relationships um and i i'm usually in my presentation talking about things like hopefully by now you have established talking about body parts by body part names because oftentimes i'm in either like upper middle school and high school talking to parents Um, i'm talking to them about how to increase the communication about sex and relationships with their teen um, I'm providing them with resources like scarletteen.com, which is wonderful for both parents and adolescents. Like if the parent isn't really sure how to talk to their kid about, it, or the kid doesn't know how to ask the parent about it. It's designed as that kind of resource. Um, and, and also giving them some of the statistics out there about like, if you are the one communicating about sex and relationships with your teen, they're more likely to have long-term healthy outcomes, like, Fewer STIs, Uh, they will delay their first pregnancy, which helps their financial prospects. Um, I'm really clear too in some of the schools about you need to be able to talk to your kids about protection. You need to be able to have that conversation because that time will come, okay? And if they feel like they can't come to you, they are more likely to have a teen pregnancy. They are more likely to experience STIs. And we, I know you're caring parents. You don't want that to happen. So yes, this shit's awkward, but we're just going to push through the awkwardness. And I try to prepare them more for the awkwardness and the conversations that are to come, but also just be really realistic with them about, I am out in the community fixing a lot of adults who didn't have these conversations with their parents. So unless you'd like your kid to be in therapy or working <laughs> with a coach like me one day, Do your due diligence, inform yourself so you can then inform your kid. And yes, they may be like, I don't want to hear you talking about sex, mom. A teen boy hearing about sex from his mother and getting health information that's factual, the studies are absolutely clear that that teen boy is less likely to have a teen pregnancy. And I think ultimately, if we can simply delay some of these things, like get them to start participating in this stuff when they're just a little bit older, when they're a little bit more responsible, when they can make those decisions for their health rather than based on their impulses. So that's what I tend to focus on.
1: I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, because that's a great resource. Scarletteen.com.
0: Yes, I love, love, love that website. It's wonderful. It's, it's, there are some out there that are um, like amaze.org maybe.com that one's for a little bit younger. because right? it's, it's like more animations and like a little bit more on the body part education, stuff like that. Whereas scarlet is going to have resources. Like I think I might be non-binary. I'm not feeling comfortable in my own skin or maybe I'm gay or, um, can I masturbate too much? Or is it safe to put these things in my body? It, it's a little bit more on the like the weird shit teens think about and ask about uh and that one also has like a group forum so it's not it's not going to be like a reddit forum for sure it's gonna it's gonna be moderated a little bit more than that um but there's definitely topics on there that are geared more towards teens and adolescents and some of their weird hormonal shit they've got going on (laughs) Oh my God. Did you just hear the audio of Brittany be like, cause you're weird. Cause you're going through puberty, and you're weird. (laughs) Teens are weird. Brittany was right. (laughs) (laughs) They smell funny and they say weird shit (laughs) anyway. Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation and I definitely want people to be able to find you and all these wonderful products. So tell, tell the folks how they can find you. Absolutely.
1: So intimate is our website on there. I have hundreds of different videos and guides in addition to the products. So there's the shop page. And then if you go into the resources tab, there's guides on different diagnoses, um, hundreds of videos, if X, then Y sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then my team is always available to help people find a pelvic PT in their area. They can always email us at support at intimate rose.com. And then on Instagram, we have a lot of different fun types of resources. So that's just Intimate Rose on um, Instagram. And then um, I have more uh, exercise-related content online, which is A Olson DPT. Um, and then we are on TikTok now. So Yay. that's Intimate Rose. So we're we're embracing the lighthearted
0: side of education. <laughs> I know, right? Like that's, that's one thing that I do enjoy about socials is the more lighthearted side of the education yes. because- you know, if you're making this stuff too serious, it just it can be a turnoff for some people. You just this stuff is a little awkward. This stuff is a little weird sometimes for people to talk about. So if you give it a little bit of levity, it makes it easier an easier entry point for people. But uh, I will definitely have to find you on TikTok. That's, oh, it's an interesting platform. Ooh, I know. <laughs> I'm still still getting used to it. <laughs> my my one bit of advice for if it, if it's you or you have a social media person who's posting is everything that you're probably posting is totally legit and by their guidelines. But if people mass report you, it will still get taken down. And they'll probably do it as like adult nudity and sexually explicit content. Have you had that happen yet? Yep, yep. Okay, here's your workaround, because it's worked for me every time. Your product and your posts are for educational purposes. And that is 100% legit by their user guidelines, by their community guidelines. So you may have to either in text above your head, put this is for educational purposes, which if you go watch some of my videos, you'll see that when I'm doing a little bit more sexually explicit content or verbally sexually explicit content, like I'm actually saying penis or masturbate, <laughs> which heaven forbid, right? How dare I say penis? <laughs> I can say elbow all day long, but I can't say scrotum. Um, or you need to actually say at the beginning of your video, what we're about to tell you is all for educational purposes. If there's something on there, or even in the, the um, text of your caption, uh, you will get your content restored. It may still get reported, but it will get restored. Mm. So cool. since I started using that disclaimer, I've gotten either every piece of content restored or it's not gotten taken down. Pre-doing that, I could, I only got like two videos restored. Um, My, my account still has the one more violation and you could be permanently banned. So
1: (laughs) I use that disclaimer (laughs) liberally
0: now these days. So um, that's my one bit of advice I give you for TikTok. So love it. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so very much for joining me on keep them coming. Hopefully you're going to get out there and help more people come again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to keep them coming with open the doors coaching, please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.